if you didn't know, we take youth camp really seriously here at New Heart Church. So uh, we'll be talking more and more about that. Man, it's, uh, it's just an incredible incredible thing that we get to do uh, every single summer. So uh, you'll be seeing more about that. But if you know any teenagers or you have teenagers, this is their moment in the summer. It's just going to be incredible. And and we'll be talking more about that. Uh, Hey, everybody. Welcome to church. How you doing this morning? You doing good? You feeling good? All right, that's awesome. If you're here for the very first time, this is your first time here at New Heart Church, you're watching online, this is your first time, we're so glad that you are here this morning. Come on, give a huge shout out to all of our first time guests. Come on, we're glad you're here. And, uh, and we're not just glad that you're here, we want to make sure that we get to know your name. We want... Uh, we just don't want you to feel like you can uh, come in a seat and, and sit here, watch something, and leave. We really want you to find family right here at New Heart Church because we know that that's, that's really where church begins. It's where you find somewhere where you can belong, where you feel like somebody does know your name and does care about your family and does care about all the things that are going through in your life. So that's why you heard uh, Pastor Adrian and Courtney talking about growth track. And this is your next step. This is the moment that you can have to where you really can get connected to the heartbeat of the church where you really feel like, man, I I really got to know some people. I got to figure out what connect group would be great for me and and, and maybe not one that talks about a a failed asking uh, to get married, but something else would be great for you. Wow, uh, and there are just so many ways that you can get connected, and the reason that we keep talking about growth track and we keep talking about connect groups is because we realize that it's so important that you have a church family that you can put your roots down in, that you just don't come in for a, a little bit and then leave a little bit and then go over here and then go over there. there there's no growth there. And so we really, we really want to make sure that the, if this is somewhere where you feel like, man, this, this could be a place that God has actually called us to plant. We, we want you to be right here at New Heart Church. We're so excited that you're here this morning. Hopefully God is speaking to you already. Incredible worship. Man, that, give the worship team a huge hand. Yeah, awesome. I... Um, I, I'm excited about this uh, series that we're starting. Uh, we're going to talk about it for four weeks. We're talking about this idea of getting ready and, and, and what you're wearing. Um, and, and, and not like clothes you wear. Now, I, I, I don't know what camp you fit into. Maybe you care a lot about what you wear. And, you're, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you love what clothes and you love what you wear and you're like, man, I'm always trying to look for the, the, my, my, my fit and I'm always trying to think about this and that, that's awesome. Uh, maybe you fit in the other camp. You're like, man, if it's comfortable, I'm wearing it. If we could wear PJs all day, I wear it. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what camp you're in. I, I, um, I actually started thinking about this idea when um, I was reading through Ephesians chapter 6 and talking about the armor of God. And, um, and I was realizing how, um, how important it was because I started to get into uh, Paul's head when he was writing to these Ephesians, this church, and he started writing, and, and he was writing them saying, hey, you're, you're actually, guys, you're in a fight, and, and, and I could just see 
the Apostle Paul sitting down, like I, the Bible started coming alive to me. And, and I started thinking about this idea in Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul was writing and he's sitting there and you can see him, he's actually in house arrest. And so he's sitting there and he's writing to them. And he's like, man, you're going through so many fights and you're going through so many things and, and there's so many things that are coming against you. And, and I can see like his mind going through all the stuff that's coming against them. And then I started thinking about our church and I started thinking about all the things that are coming against you and coming against your family and are coming against our church and things that are coming against things that you're fighting at your job or things that you're fighting in your marriage or things that you're fighting or believing for in your family or health or your finances. Come on, somebody. Like, I, I'm starting to think about all these things that are starting to come against. And then I started realizing that Paul was like, no, no, no. Listen, it's not just that you're in a fight. God has given you something to win a fight. It's not that you're just in one. And, and, and some of us need to understand that too. God, God doesn't want us just to sit back. He wants us to move forward and heaven to fill this earth. And so this church is here for a reason. And we're so excited that it's growing, but it's just getting started. And there are so many more people that need to know that God loves them. I was driving in this morning and I saw a big billboard that said, be careful, your sin will find you out. And I was like, man, that is not the message that God is trying to send to his kids. I understand somebody's trying to do something good, but I just want to kind of slap them and say, listen, if you're going to spend money on a billboard, spend one that says God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life because he didn't send his son in to condemn the world, but he sent his son to give them life and give them life more abundantly. Maybe put that on a billboard. Instead of remind people how many times they've messed up, you know what? I have a, a, a sneaky suspicion that that is the devil's job. But I'm reminded that God is always there reminding how much grace he has for each and every one of you. Because I tell you, it didn't happen in the story that Jesus told. When the prodigal son came back, the dad didn't say, let me list out all the stuff you've done wrong. What he said was, come back here. My son is home. Let's throw a party. There is grace and mercy that the world has never seen. Church, we've got to unveil that to them. And this is why we want to grow. This is why we're asking you to think about who are you believing for to be in this church? Who are you praying for to be in this church? Who, are, who have you invited that you want to see sitting next to you and understanding that grace is there not just for you but for them too? This is what we want to be as a church. But the enemy wants nothing of that. Wants your church to be small. Wants your life to be small. Wants you to worry about all these little things that will take your mind off the calling that God has on your life. And Paul knew this. He was writing to the Ephesians saying, you're in a fight. The enemy wants to shut you down. But I, I, I'm here to tell you that God is giving you tools. That will help you not just be in a fight, but win a fight. And Paul, and Paul goes back and goes, so what are you wearing? What are you wearing? What, what are you putting on 
in your life. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Just so you know, I'm not making this up. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. So I just want to let you know, the devil has a strategy. It's not a really good one. It's just there to, it's just honestly, all of devil's strategies, kill, steal, destroy. That's it. Everything in your life, steal, kill, destroy. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. You're not fighting against Disney. Some of you ultra-Christians that are on, that are on all, all the emails. And all this, I, I'll talk about that. You're not fighting against that. You're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So therefore, if you're going to fight against that stuff, therefore, you've got to wear some different things. Put on, man, I'm, I'm not even through the beginning of my message. I'm looking at that. We're in trouble. Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle... You will still be standing firm. God doesn't want you just to stand firm in the battle. He wants you to stand firm after the battle. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God I I want to talk this morning and for the next couple of weeks about these ideas of what you are wearing and I I want to specifically talk about oh y'all gave me some more time I love you so much. I look back there on the time, and it's miraculous. It's like the loaves and the fishes. That was a bad Christian joke. Don't ever repeat that. that was, that's not even funny. It's just funny in church. Uh, okay, John chapter 11, because I want, I want to spend some time this morning on this idea of the shield of faith. I want to talk about this idea of shield of faith, but I don't want to just talk about, okay, we're just going to talk about, I actually want to go through this story of Jesus actually exemplifying what it means to hold up the shield of faith. I want you to see Jesus actually walking through something with the shield of faith. This is John chapter 11, verse 1, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet, wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear, dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. 
Now what happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary and Martha, I want you to see this. So although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. He stayed where he was for the next two days. When I read this, this looked like a misprint. Although Jesus loved them, he stayed where he was. This did not make sense to me. I felt like if he loved them, he would go. But he waited. What does it look like to hold up the shield of faith? You must hold up faith when you need to wait. You, you got to hold up faith when you need to wait. Just See, we get it misconstrued that we think that because Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he immediately was going to go and do what they asked him to do. But he waited. What this tells me is that we cannot think that just because God loves us, he moves on our timeline. Just because God loves you does not mean that he works on your to-do list when you want it, as you want it, as you see it should happen. Just because God loves you does not mean that he is looking through your life and your life only and thinking if I just run it like them and how they want it, I, I'll show them that they, that they are loved by me. That is not God's love. God loves you and can still wait. God loves you and can still pull back. God loves you and can still not run on your timeline, but he'll run on his timeline. And it has nothing to do with how much he loves you or not. Because if you start thinking that God loves you or doesn't love you, depending on if he does something for you or not, that is how a toddler thinks. And you don't understand that is not how a mature Christian thinks. It's hard. It's, and I don't, I'm not trying to be harsh, but I'm trying to give you some reality so that you don't run in and hurt yourself or hurt your relationship with God because God's not moving the way I want him to move. God hasn't done this thing in my job yet. God hasn't done this thing in my family yet. God hasn't healed me yet. I'm still dealing with the same sickness. God, is, God still hasn't moved yet. What, is, is something wrong with me or is it something wrong with how God treats me? Or, or maybe God is just a construct of my mind that I've made up to make myself feel better, but he's really not real because if he would be real, he would do the thing that I'm asking him to do because he said he would love me. But you're not understanding who God is and how how God is a God and not a genie to you. My, my son will ask me not one question. He'll ask me a thousand questions. Some of those questions I'll respond to with an answer. Some of those questions are yes or no uh, answers and some get yeses and some get noes. When he gets a no, he looks at me and says, you are not my best friend. <laughs> and sometimes will turn and show his back to me in defiance. You're not my best friend. 
you ever done that to God? When you haven't got what you wanted, maybe you haven't looked up to heaven and said you're not my best friend, but maybe you just stopped praying. Maybe you don't go to church that much anymore. Maybe you've stopped believing and holding up faith. Can you hold up faith when you're waiting? He loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But he stayed where he... Are you okay if God just stays right now? Oh God, I want you to move. I want you to move. But God, I'm also understanding you're going to move in your timeline. God, I'm going to hold up that. Because if you don't hold up faith in that moment, that's where you start getting hit with arrows. And you start getting hit with arrows of bitterness. You start getting hit with arrows of disappointment. And you start getting hit with arrows of anger and why this hasn't happened yet. And why hasn't God done this right? You start getting hit with arrows of antsiness. Well, I got to move somewhere. I got to uproot myself and move somewhere else because God hasn't done what he said he's going to. No, 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 no. Just because God hasn't moved doesn't mean you need to move. Maybe you need to stay planted and wait for God to come when he comes. And I'm, I, I just this is hard for us, and especially I'm talking to the movers. I'm talking to the doers. I'm talking to the leaders. I'm talking to the ones who you're like, when something doesn't work right, man, that just means I got to work harder. When something doesn't go right, I can bust through a wall. I can get right there. I'm talking to you as leaders. Can you wait for God instead of trying to do things in your own strength? Can, can you wait on God instead of rationalizing your own mind how you've got a plan already prepared, how you can do it better than he can? Can you wait? Because he's waiting. Hold up that shield of faith. Maybe the most faithful thing you can do is just say, God, I believe and I'm not moving. God, I believe and I'm not moving. God, I believe and I'm not moving. God, I'm praying for my family and I'm not moving from it. God, I'm going to keep right here. I'm telling you, one of the most underrated fruit of the Spirit is consistency. It's where you just stay. I mean, I'm month after month after month after year after year. After how long you've been at this church? I've been here 15 years and I ain't going. They're going to have to pull me out when I'm dead. I'm not leaving here. I'm staying right here in a world that says if it's not right, move. If it's not right, pull up. If it's not right, figure something else out. If it's not right, get out of it. No, no, no. My faith is here and I'm waiting on God because when I wait on God, the Bible said that I will mount up as wings as eagles and I will walk in my faith. I'll have energy and strength that you don't know about because why? I'm not running hard. I'm waiting. I'm just waiting on God and the reason I can wait is because I have faith. Because I'm holding up a shield of faith. So then, then Jesus says this, John chapter 11, verse 7. Finally, he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, that's stupid. Only a few days ago, the people in Judea 
We're trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12, 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. You read that and you're like, what is, what? Jesus was speaking in a parable. Or he was saying, hey, I don't got to fear anything right now because it's not my time yet. So I can walk right up in there. The light's still here. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. <laughs> I feel sorry for Jesus sometimes. <laughs> if he's sleeping, just wake up. What? Are you guys dumb? They thought Jesus meant Lazarus is simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told the plane, Lazarus is dead. Okay. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there for now. You will really believe. Come, let's, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to the fellows, let's go to and die with Jesus. He was full of faith. <laughs> I don't know if you ever felt. Let's, let, you ever had that kamikaze faith? Let's, go, let's just do it. <laughs> this is the people that Jesus was going with. But I want to go back to that beginning part where they said, don't go back there. And Jesus said, no, I, I have to. And this is one of the things that you need to hold up faith is when you have to go back to that place. And you know that place that I'm talking about. The place you never wanted to go back to. Whether it could be in your job, or it could be a family situation, where it could be a moment that hurts so bad that you're like, I don't want to go back there again. A moment that put you on your knees that you thought, I'll never get up. I'll never come back. A place that you told God, I'll never go back here again. A place where you got so hurt, you will never talk about it to anybody else. And you hold that stuff so deep and so back that you won't talk about it to the people that you call your closest friends. And I'm not talking about going back to something toxic. I'm not talking about going to a place that's going to rip you apart and that you know God pulled you out of and that you're not going back. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a place that God is saying, this is where your miracle is. It is your Goliath. Don't run from it. Run to it. That's the place. That conversation, that stretching of your faith, this is where 
you have to have faith. But so many of us, we don't lift up the shield of faith. We lift up the spirit of fear. And I'm telling you that the spirit of fear, although it might feel like it's a shield, it protects you from nothing. Fear will not protect you from anything. Even though you think being, uh, being fear, see, the devil will love to convolute all the ideas in your mind to make you feel like fear is wisdom. And you're like being smart about it. You're not being smart about it. You're being fearful about it. And it's keeping you from being the person that God has called you to be. It's keeping you from walking into the battles that God has called you to win. It is keeping you from being the leader that God has called you to be in your family. It's keeping you from being the man that God has called you to be. It's keeping you from being the woman that God has called you to be. And fear is making you play small, thinking that you're being smart. But fear is no shield at all. It's only a straight jacket. And when you put on fear, you think that you're being protected, but in actuality, it is tying your hands so that you cannot lift anything in your life. And all of a sudden, you're afraid of everything. I'm not hearing anybody lift the spirit of, of uh, I'm not hearing anybody lift the shield of faith, but I am hearing a lot of Christians lifting up the spirit of fear. What about our economy? What about our country? The morality is being eroded. What about this? And what about the, what about my family? All the economy is going to get to pits. I don't know about my bank account. What about the health things that I'm fighting? What about this? And what about that? Fear, 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 fear. And you've got people more scared of Disney Plus than they should be of anything else. Oh, what are, what are they going to do here? What are they going to do there? And all this and this and this and this. I'm telling you, it is is taking our hands and tying them around our back and we are becoming better targets because we don't have the faith to lift up. But we think that the spirit of fear is going to block things. How is it going to block anything? I'm telling you, living in fear is a lid on your life. God has called you to be bigger than that. God's called you or your family to be bigger than that. God has called you to step forward and to move forward. But fear has you taken 15 steps back because you're scared of something. That God has said, lift the shield of faith. And this fear is getting toxic. And I am sick and tired, uh, listen, if you don't know Jesus and you have no relationship with him, I would expect you to be fearful. But it's killing me that people who know Jesus and trust him with their eternal salvation always talk in fear about everything and everything all the time. Anything they post is about fear. Anything that they look about is about fear. And they live in it. They live in this thing instead of raising up the shield of faith. And I, I, I have committed to not, what, what did the Bible say? God has not given me a spirit of fear. 
I'm not going to take what God hasn't given me. Why would I take something that God hasn't given me? Why would I say, yes, thank you so much for that? That's not a gift. That's toxin in my body. That, that is killing my spirit right now. That's stopping me from being the person that God has called me to be. I can't be the husband that I want to be. I can't be the father that I want to be. I can't raise my kids the way I want to raise my kids because I'm too scared of being the person that God's called me to be. Or what if I say this? Or what if I discipline like that? Or what if I do this? Oh, I don't know about this. I don't know what they're going to turn out. No, I'm not going to raise them with the spirit of fear. I'm going to raise them with a shield of faith that says God is God going to work it out. And if I put these kids who weren't mine to begin with, they were God's anyway, on his altar and say, God, here, I'm going to do the very best that I can, but here they are. All of a sudden, I've raised the shield of faith over their life and things that have tried to take those kids out will not work because there's faith over their life. It's faith. But we we don't see faith like that. We see faith as some, oh, I guess they have to have some faith. Some of you have looked at faith as a crutch all your life. And I'm telling you, it's no crutch. It's a shield. And it's a moment, if if you're going back to looking what Paul is writing, he's writing this. And he's looking over at a centurion and he's seeing the layout of all these armaments that he has. And the shield that he's looking at is not just a little small circular thing. It's a big shield. And in fact, this is not a good representation, but it's all I have. Actually, this is um, Zach. Just went through growth track today as a police officer and let us borrow the, th- thank you, come on, thank Zach, thank you so much. Man, I haven't met you yet, Zach, but you got all my respect, brother. Um, this looks different. When you lift, when you lift up the shield of faith. And you don't live with fear as a lid on your life. You get behind this thing and you say, okay, listen, God, you've got my bank account. God, you've got my, you've got my family. I, I'm, I'm not worried about the politics. I'm not worried about the economy. God, I, I'm right here. God, your economy is much bigger than anybody else's economy. And so, God, I'm not going to worry about tithing. I'm not going to worry about serving. I'm not going to worry about my time. God, I'm not going to worry about my health, even though I, I, I'm taking it seriously. But, God, I know that you are the great physician, so I'm hiding behind this shield of faith in this moment. And, God, and, and what happened? And when you get behind this thing, guess what? You don't move back. You can stay right where you are. When all the enemy wants to do is have you move back, you stick this thing in front and I'm moving. I got faith that God is going to bring me to where I need to go. And you don't move. 
But somehow we think that fear is a better shield than this. And all it does, all, all it does, fear, is makes you move back. Puts you in a straitjacket and makes you a great target. So, Jesus, through all of this, as he's the only one who has faith in this story. I mean, you got disciples thinking, Lazarus is sleeping. You got other ones here like, let's go and die with him. You know, like, so you got, it just, all of this craziness. And Jesus is the only one who's like, okay. I'll just, I'll just do it myself. So you got Jesus walking with the disciples. And throughout, I don't have time to read through all this story. But throughout all of this story, you have Mary coming up. If you would only been here sooner. You have Martha coming up. If you would only been here sooner. Like God is constrained by your timeline. Some of you are like, oh, God, you missed the boat. Miss the boat. I am the boat. What are you doing? What are you? I miss. I got to get in a boat. I, I'm God. I made water. I'm the boat. I'm the water. I'm the wind. I'm the all. I don't miss anything. And if you think I miss something, it's because we ain't going that way. And all of a sudden, God, God, G, everybody's running up to Jesus. Oh, if you'd only been here sooner, you'd only been here sooner. And he kept saying, shh, shh, shh. And it just, it just trying to get all of this. Finally, he got so worked up, the Bible said that he wept. But it wasn't tears of sadness. If you look through the scripture, go back in, in chapter 11, look through it. Tears of anger. Because there was so much unbelief in what was about to happen. Shield of faith. Oh man, I need the shield of faith. There are, there are so many things that are so loud. They are megaphones of fear trying to get your attention. And I need the shield of faith all over my life. So finally, Jesus is coming to the tomb, and this is John chapter 11, verse 39. We've gone all the way down to 39. You can read through the rest. And as Jesus is sitting here at the tomb, he says, roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord... He's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. So worried about the effects of death. Not worried about Jesus actually reversing death. So you can see where her head's at. But no one likes a bad smell. So I get it. I'm not trying to make her a bad person. My wife's got a hound dog nose. I mean, it's just. <laughs> Did you, if you didn't hear her, she said ever so quietly, 
Ben. It's true though, ask her. Don't get too close unless you have a mint. Being real. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read the Bible. Verse 40. <laughs> Maybe we should do the marriage thing one more time. Do one more. No, okay. Verse 40. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you? You would see God's glory if you believe. This is so important because he's reminding everybody of his words. Not theirs. Oh, it's going to smell. Oh, it's hot. No, if you'd only been here sooner. No. Didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you just believe? This is why it's so important. Come on. This is why it's so important that all of us get in our minds what Jesus is saying. And then, let me, let me go on here. So they rolled the stone aside. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Why do you say Lazarus? Right? At the tomb. It's his tomb. Right? Some scholars believe, and I'm not a scholar, but I believe with them, that the reason that Jesus said Lazarus, because if he just said, come out! Everybody who was dead is coming out. It's, it's, it's a walking dead right then, right there. Because that's the power of the word that comes out of Jesus' mouth. So you, when you, so, so listen, listen, so when you repeat his words, what's coming out of your mouth? That same kind of power. So it's really important to know what Jesus says. Do, do you know why it's so, is it some, some of you have such a hard time with the Bible? Or reading it or whatever, because there's power there. And the enemy is like, don't let them, don't mess with that. You know what, shield of faith, okay, yeah, let them lift that, but don't let them get near that Bible. Because you start saying those things. And you start saying what heaven is saying. And you start saying what God is saying. This is why at the very beginning of the world, what brought sin into the world? When the enemy whispered into Eve's ear, is that what God really said? Discrediting the word of God. I'm telling you, there's, there's power here. And so, so you get this into your... Soul, and then, and then you have Jesus saying, Lazarus, come out. And what happened? And the dead man came out. Listen, I'm freaking out at this moment. Oh, come on. You all too Bible. 
if you were there and a dead man came out of the tomb. What? I'm running. I know you're supposed to have faith, but I'm running. He, he was dead. Now he's out. I'm out. Like this is, a, this is a moment where everybody's like, dude, okay, I saw the blind dude get healed. I saw that one, I saw the one mom who got the fever and then she got, I, okay, I got, there's some crazy, but this one's on another level. Just because this is what Jesus was going to do. Said so the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes. Let's stand to our feet. I'm almost done. They gave me some extra time. Thank you so much. You all are wonderful back there. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes. His face wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Let, let, let me say a couple of things real quick and then we're going to worship just in a moment. One, one, one thing. When Jesus said unwrap him, he said that to who? Everybody who was there. And, and, and I, I look at this and I, and I just think throughout all of scripture you see this. Yes, it's the power of God that brings dead things back to life but it's the power of community that gets you free. Over and over. I'm not saying that people can get you to heaven. There's no way. It is by Jesus and Jesus alone. But there are people in your life that you need to unwrap some things that are dead. God wants you in new clothes and you keep walking around in mummy stuff and God said, I want you to be around some really great people that will help you start believing what I see in you already and help you start believing that you can be the person that I've called you to be. Unwrap him. Unwrap her. There are words that you need to hear from somebody else's mouth that's going to help you be the person that God's called you to be. That's why as a church we're so encouraging because we realize that there are moments that you're wearing stuff that God doesn't want you to wear anymore and that we need to be God's mouthpiece. In this moment, God said, unwrap him. Take that stuff off. I don't know if you've been wearing depression, you've been wearing anger, you've been wearing hurt, you've been wearing stuff that people have said over your life years and years and years and I want to tell you right now it's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm telling you there are things that maybe you believed before that have kept you living small and kept you living back, but God is calling you to a new place and a new purpose, and God is wanting you to unwrap those things around your mind and offer your life and have you be a new person and a new creation, and there are people in your life that will say that to you. And then he says this, and let, and let him go. Let him go. Let her go. Some of you don't know the future that God has for your life. 
it's so small. And you've got one prayer, oh God, if you could just do this one thing. And God's like, no, no, you're living too small. It's, it's too small. I, I can't tell you how much God wants you to live in freedom over your whole life. The things that have held you back have been there too long. And God is saying over your life right now, over her life and over his life, let him go. Let her go. I've got a future and a plan for her. I've got a future and a plan for him. I've got a future and a plan for them. I've got a future and a plan for their family. Let them go. Let them move forward. Let them walk into the future that I've called them. Some of you are standing at a grave where you should be walking back into your future. Some of you are standing in a place where things are dead. When God says walk into something that's alive. You, some of you are standing in a place where it looks like dreams are dead. Where it looks like future is dead. Where it looks like family is dead. And God says let them go. Let them go. Move forward. There is no ceiling over your life. There is no lid over your life. There is nothing that can be put against somebody who believes with the shield of faith. That though there might be some things I'm fighting, God's going to bring me into the future. Over every single person in this room, I want faith to rise up in this place. If you would, let's lift our hands up to God all over this place. Come on.